Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello, and welcome to another episode of I Weigh with Jamila Jamil. How are you? I'm... I'm technically fine, but I am depressed. I mean, like, literally depressed. And my depression comes and goes all the time. You've watched me kind of go through a wave of, uh, like, a roller coaster over the last year and a half. And I would say I've made quite a lot of progress. But even when you make loads of progress, even when you have loads of therapy, you still just have really dark times and you can't predict them and you cannot control them. But what you have to remember is that you've gotten up before and you will get up again. You will rise once more. And that every time you fall, you have more tools each time to pick yourself back up. And so I am trying to do what I would do with any of you and remind myself of that. That yes, I may have taken a few steps backwards, but that doesn't eradicate all of the work I've done and all of the ways in which I know I have the power to make myself feel better. But Halloween was fucking hard. <laughs> Because, I mean, I've just had panic attacks every time I was asked to even leave the house. Anytime I was invited to a party, I would have a literal anxiety attack. And then watching Instagram, which I know is bollocks, but really it was intense in the last week. Everyone having the energy to create like all these creative costumes and do all this makeup and hair. And everyone looked like they were having so much fun and they were dancing. And mostly it just looked like they were just fine. Just post-pandemic, absolutely fine with socialising with hundreds of people, fine with dancing, with, you know, being a quote-unquote normal person. It made me feel like a Martian. And it went on for so long. People are still posting their pictures of Halloween from last weekend because we haven't had Halloween last year. So I think there's just like, they finally have... <laughs> not to sound gross, I think some people are doing it because they genuinely just had loads of lovely memories, but I feel like so many people got quote-unquote content last weekend and they're just really milking it. And... um and it's annoying me. And that doesn't mean that it's right for it to annoy me. But I'm just being honest with you because we're kind of weird friends. <laughs> I was annoyed. And that's probably because I'm jealous. Because I feel unable to do the same. So I've been a bit jealous and bitter and depressed. Not just because of Halloween. Halloween just exacerbated it. I think highlighted to me how um, underprepared I am for the world. And I shouldn't technically be having panic attacks at the idea of going and seeing people even people that I really love but I can't yeah I'm just not coping brilliantly at the moment and there's just going to be loads of highs and lows in life and that's okay and none of this invalidates any of your feelings your happiness doesn't invalidate your sadness and your sadness does not invalidate your happiness so you know if you're feeling the same I'm so with you I'm just beneath you in a gutter feeling unfair thoughts anyway um, so that's happening. So I'm just telling you how about how I feel about that. Much more importantly is the subject of today's podcast. And I feel so unbelievably lucky 
to have been able to have this conversation because whatever the fuck my problems are there and I know it's not something you should or can compare but the story of the woman we are discussing today has truly rocked the world and I'm talking about Britney Spears she's not the guest of this podcast just to calm you down immediately but this is a an episode in a large part dedicated to Britney Spears and how incredible she is I've been a fan of hers from the very beginning and I, in spite of being such a big fan, was blissfully unaware until the last couple of years of how horrendous her life has become. I can't believe it, but I just sort of, I bought into the media version of what happened in 2008 and then just sort of stopped thinking about her and just enjoyed her music, enjoyed her output, enjoyed her as a judge and American Idol. I didn't have any idea that this was happening, also partially because I didn't think that anything like this could happen to her. And by this, I'm talking about her conservatorship, which we are learning day by day, more and more so, just how obstructive and scary and manipulative and abusive it appears to be. So I somehow managed to get two very busy women. Their names are Tess and Babs. They are the founders of the Free Britney movement. I managed to get their time, even during a moment that is so busy for them. They have so much work to do. This is the month in which we are hopefully going to see the actual freeing of Britney, where she will no longer be in this unbelievably constrictive and evil conservatorship that she's been in. These two women were just comedians. They were comedians who started a podcast, a kind of comedy podcast about Britney Spears' Instagram. They were fans of hers. And during that time, they started to become more invested in her story and started to pay attention to what was happening to her and started to question her living circumstances. In doing so, they one day got a phone call, an anonymous phone call, where they were tipped off about the fact that their suspicions were correct, that there was something wrong with Britney's conservatorship. That phone call would go on to not just change their lives, but Britney's lives. And maybe now, because of all of their work to free Britney and raise awareness around not only her conservatorship, but conservatorships at large, it may go on to change the lives of millions of people in the future. They have worked tirelessly to raise awareness and educate people about the entire conservatorship system. They've kind of become self-made experts and have interviewed all kinds of different people across the spectrum of the legal system and the medical system about conservatorships to be able to understand how they work, what's wrong with them, and how we can change them in order to protect not just people like Britney Spears, who are incredibly powerful and privileged, but those who don't have her fame, her visibility, her money, and her potential for power. How do we make sure that all people are safe from a system that can turn you into a captive human being? And so in this podcast, they teach me about conservatorships. Uh, they explain to me their story on how they came to be the founders of the Free Britney movement. They explain her situation to me because I still have like somewhat surface level knowledge and they're such experts. And we talk about how ordinary people like them can go on to care about something so much that they do something extraordinary with their passion to help other people. They're so so amazing and they're such smart and fierce women you can only imagine the kind of anxiety that must come with taking on such a high profile case the way they did we talk about the ways in which they've been interfered with and surveilled because of their work to try to free britney and it's just a giant 
loving between me and them because I'm so in awe of their tireless work in this area. It's such a great episode. They're so informative. They're so passionate. They're so warm and funny and cool. You are going to fall madly in love with them and you are going to feel invigorated to help join the fight for people with disabilities against the current system of conservatorship. This is the excellent Tess and Babs. and Babs. Welcome to I Way. How are you? Well, how are you? I'm so good. I'm star. I'm a bit starstruck, if I'm honest. <laughs> uh, I'm such a big fan. Uh, I think you guys are so amazing. I can't believe, I can't believe what you've done. Um, okay, so for uh, those who are not aware of you, you are both the co-founders, I would say, of the Free Britney movement. That's fair to say, correct? It's a, yeah, we help kickstart this iteration of it. Exactly. Yeah. We don't, yeah, it's, I don't think credit goes to any one person or us two. It's a definitely a collective movement, but Mm -hmm. we definitely, yes, we're a part of, of kickstarting it to where it is now for sure. What a four years you've had in particular, the last year has just been so astounding to watch how much has come out, how much information, how much gaslighting has been going on, how Mm -hmm. much abuse of power has taken place. And also just to see the power of the public, the power of the people, how much all of you out there who have helped push along the momentum for Britney's freedom, how much you have achieved And I can't imagine what it must feel like to be her in many ways, but also just on the one positive to know that she has people out there who love her so much, people who she's never even met. Uh, It's amazing. So 2017 was, can we just take it back just to quickly for anyone who isn't exactly familiar with your work? 2017 was when you first started a podcast kind of about Britney's Instagram. You were both super, were you both like super fans before or... Yeah, I mean, I would say I've been a huge Britney fan, you know, since she popped onto the scene. She's about my age. I was definitely in the TRL generation, um, mm-hmm. have bought every single one of her albums, was definitely a huge fan. Uh, but yeah, and Babs and I, you know, we both love throwing dance parties and doing things like that. We've seen her together. Uh, but really, we just had another comedy podcast together and we were at brunch one day and she dropped a post. I don't know if you remember it, but it was her painting on a veranda with like Mozart mm-hmm. music in the background. And we were just totally befuddled by it. Our friends were texting us about it. We were getting all kinds of DMs about it. And Babs was like, we should start a podcast where like the joke is we just really overanalyze Britney's Instagram because it's it was just such a point of fascination for us. And it was just sort of like a lark of an idea that we followed through on, really. And then in 2019, it was when you got a phone call <laughs> from an alleged paralegal in the Britney case who tipped you off, right? Mm-hmm. So, yes. so basically, yeah, it was, you know, we were just talking about it in the comedy kind of sense for a long time. And then uh, late 2018, Tess kind of 
start, we knew about the conservatorship, you know, we started, we were looking at the posts in that lens sometimes where we were like, why, you know, she'll post a meme that says, let me shop and no one gets hurt. And then she wrote literally in the caption. And then you think like, well, that's weird. She's Britney Spears. Why can't she shop? But then you'd, when you'd look at the details of the conservatorship, you're like, oh, she doesn't have access to her own money. So we did kind of start looking at the posts as kind of like a window into maybe how she actually felt. And then we actually started looking at the conservatorship papers themselves. Late 2018, Tess went to a hearing where her co-conservator asked for a huge raise, and that was a red flag. So we were investigating the conservatorship on the podcast for quite a few months. And then all this stuff happened. She canceled her residency. She kind of disappeared from sight. And then we got this voicemail on the podcast in April 2019. So it was all kind of like snowballing up until that point. How did it feel when you first got that call? It was a really overwhelming feeling. It was, I mean, the hair was standing up on on my arms. I was editing the podcast. It was like 11 o'clock at night. And, you know, I thought the episode was like ready to export. And I noticed one voicemail that was longer than the rest of them. Because just for context, the voicemail box was something that we used for listeners to call in and kind of just give their little theories about what her Instagram was about. You know, that's what it was really intended for. And so I thought we had enough for the episode. And then I noticed one that was longer than the rest of them. And just from the beginning, he goes, hi, you know, I can't say who I am. I just want to say you guys are on to something. And I just felt like a gut punch, just like, you know, you could hear the nervousness in his voice. And um, it was this really crazy moment because it was like, as you know, as soon as Babs and I talked, it was this moment of like, we're no longer just like commenting on this situation. We now have to decide like whether we want to act on this and like what to do about it. Um, and so it was, it really felt like this huge responsibility that had sort of been just like dropped in our lap. Oh my goodness. And what about you, Babs? Also... Same, you know, it's every time I even think about it, it gives me it gives me chills because um, I was in Austin doing comedy. Tess called me super late at night, which was not, you know, really normal. So I felt like something was a little bit weird that she was calling me so late. She said, you have to listen to this voicemail. And I listened to it and I was just, yeah, my mind was blown. I mean, you know, there's a lot of details that go into what he was talking about, but basically Brittany had been gone, uh, you know, out of the public eye for quite a few months. And then the news had broken that she had checked herself into a mental health facility and that she'd been there for a week. But we thought that that was not real because she seems to have been gone much longer. Basically, we, he said was, you're right. She's been there against her will for quite some time. You know, she doesn't want to be there. So it was just like horrific. And like Tess said, we had a huge decision to make. And I don't even know if, I don't even know if there was a question of the decision. We kind of knew we had to do it. And we were like, this information needs to be heard. Let's go through with this. You know, we talked to him more. We confirmed where he, you know, his, his former place of work. And we decided to release the episode and we called it Free Britney and released it kind of in the middle of the night, hoping that it wouldn't, we were scared it could get taken down or something, you know, we didn't know. And so, yeah, then the next day, Britney's mom was liking comments that said Free Britney because it went kind of viral overnight. And then that's kind of what, when people were like, oh, there's like definitely something to this. And it kind of, yeah, went from there. I've been a long time Britney fan from the very, very start. And, uh, you know, she's just... I feel like I've grown up with her again, roughly a similar age. And 
and think that she's been such an interesting figure as a woman in the public eye, watching her go through that cycle of being so adored, so overexposed, and then so feasted on by the media and then turned on by the media and the way they've twisted every single moment and action of hers and demonized it and blamed her for so much in our society. She's just been this fascinating icon of our generation. Um, in, not just because she's so extraordinary, but also because of how demonized she's been. She's been this kind of example uh, in which we've seen patriarchy play out so intensely in every way it can, just upon this one unbelievably strong and resilient human being. Yes. It's just remarkable that she's even still here with everything she's gone through. Yeah, I mean, her resilience just astounds me. I mean, the, the number one word I think of when I think about Britney Spears is survivor. I mean, that mm-hmm. is a woman who has persisted. And I think so many people see her as an every woman. I think that's why she was so beloved by so many people is that a lot of women on a much smaller scale have lived the same thing, have sort of felt like they 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 can either, they're, you know, they're too big or too small. They're too out there or, or they're too ambitious or they're too much mothers, you know? So I think all of the things that we put on women, we put on Britney Spears times a thousand. And I think that's why a lot of us have this really emotional reaction to what happened to her. Can you break down the circumstances that she's been living in for, since 2008? Right. So basically in 2008, she was, you know, put into a 5150 hold. Um, and we've done a lot of research on this, you know, on our podcast, we break down that whole weekend that that happened and everything that went down. And, you know, those are supposed to be for someone who's in an emergency health situation, you know, mentally or otherwise from all indications, she was not in that, you know, it was pre-planned. The cops knew for two days, they planned a route to her house. They took her to the hospital. That's when her dad stepped in, got an emergency conservatorship. And then he basically made it permanent and was there until, you know, uh, just recently. So everything happened very fast at that, at that phase. And, you know, conservatorships, they take away many, many of your rights. So she's in both a financial conservatorship and a personal conservatorship. And financially, that means that they have access to all of her money. You know, she's not the one who sees any of her her bank accounts, anything like that. They sign her work contracts. Um, you know, they can decide if she's working or not. And then personally, that means they control who she visits, who comes to her house, who, who, how she goes to her medical care, you know, who she goes to see all those kinds of things. Um, and then there's also marriage. And if you can vote wrapped up in those, we haven't been able to be clear. And if that's part of it or not, that's been kind of, you know, in a gray area, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of your basic human rights are stripped. So yeah. So as a function of that, part of what the the letters of conservatorship that the court issued to Brittany's dad stipulated that he also could control which, who her security was. And that's 24 seven security. The New York times released a documentary about a month and about a month ago, I think a month and a half ago. And that revealed that her security team was mirroring every single message that came out of, they were mirroring all the activity on her iPhone every single ingoing and outgoing text. They were monitoring her 24 hours a day and they even had recording devices in her bedroom (gasps) and had captured without her consent 180 hours of recordings between things like her and her boyfriend, her and her kids. And so she was living under- Oh my God. That invasion of privacy is so terrifying. Yeah. 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 So the security was, you know, basically reported every little thing back to her father. 
And, um, and we also know that, you know, she was, her kids were used as kind of a weapon against her. Basically, you know, every time she would do something where she would quote act up in their eyes, they would say, well, if you want access to your kids, you're going to need to, you know, do this or that. So I mean, there was a part where she was talking, you know, in her, in her speech when she finally spoke at the court about the fact that sometimes if she just didn't want to do a particular dance move, that would be considered her acting up and mm-hmm. she would be made mm-hmm. to feel as though she'd done something really bad and she would be made to feel like something was going to be taken away from her. Yeah. This is fucking out of control. It also baffles me. I don't understand. I don't understand. And I think nobody understands how someone who has done so many tours and residencies and released whole albums and was a fucking judge on American Idol. How was she considered when she's doing, I mean, death defying stunts on stage, she's allowed to do all of that trusted to capably do all of those things, sometimes on live television or in front of hundreds of thousands of people in an audience. How is someone like that considered unable to even at the most basic fundamental level, look after themselves. Exactly. And then what's even more infuriating is that on top of that, we've discovered through our reporting and through people that, you know, have helped us do research on this case, the document that is supposed to be there to put someone into a conservatorship is called a a capacity declaration. Mm -hmm. And that's supposed to be filled out by a doctor. And the doctor says this person doesn't have the capacity to shelter themselves, provide themselves with food. That was never filed in Brittany's case. How? I know. What judge, like what judge allowed this to happen without the necessary documentation? Her name's Reva Getz and she's part of a probate system. Yeah. And I mean, so that's, I mean, I think it's really the how is, is wrapped in with the why. And you know what we really firmly believe is that there were a lot of people having access to quite a bit of money and power by keeping Brittany in this situation and absolutely nobody who had a financial interest in actually helping Brittany. She was left with absolutely zero resources to get out of the situation. And so I think, you know, we're going to get into this later as I ask you to please break down conservatorships for me Mm -hmm. because I know you guys have kind of become uh, experts on this via your toxic (laughs) podcast and all of the vast amount of research you've done over the last couple of years. But how is there no point at which if someone is, let's say, temporarily, very temporarily incapacitated, like unable to look after themselves or their children or whatever, if their situation, if their condition improves, like clearly she got better. Clearly she became a a, a professional individual who was able to bankroll dozens and dozens of people at a very high, at the highest level probably in the entertainment industry in the world. How was there no way to revise that conservatorship? What is this, that someone can get better and they're still stuck in the same exact thing from their lowest moment? Well, that's what's odd about, you know, her situation as well, is that there is, there's different kinds of conservatorships as well. And there's an LPS conservatorship, which is intended for mental health issues that are, say, you know, we hope this is going to get better and they review them once a year. She got put into a different kind of conservatorship that's financial. And so basically it's all about her finances and those don't get renewed every year because generally they are for people who are much older and they just consider, oh, this person's going to have this forever, probably until they die. We don't need the option of revising Mm -hmm. it. Right. And then that's, so in those probate conservatorships, the structures that are in place towards the end of that person's life, those same people remain in charge of the estate after they pass away. 
That's the way it's set up. Yeah. What makes me so sad is what a huge part the media had to play in this. Because I remember watching her at the time. And I've also seen this happen to people in my own industry now as an adult. You know, back then when I was watching all of this happen, I wasn't anywhere near this industry. Um, Now I have watched the way that the paparazzi will deliberately push people to the point where they will snap. I mean, they've done it to me even when I was 26 years old. Part of of why I moved to America was to get out of England because of the paparazzi. They would Mm. wait outside my house 24 hours a day. I'd gained weight and they wanted to... Uh, shame me for gaining weight. And so they would call me, and I'm sorry for this language, but a fat cunt to my face constantly mm-hmm. outside my door. They would photograph me if I had to bend over to pick up my keys because I dropped something. Oh they would take God. a photograph of my ass, put it on the front cover of a magazine. Um, and so they would antagonize me and ridicule me and ridicule my body and say all these ugly things to me, not because they even necessarily really thought those things because they were trying to provoke a reaction. They wanted me to cry because that's a great mm-hmm. photograph. It pushes the narrative that I'm I'm fat and therefore I'm miserable and I'm sad and I'm lonely. Or they wanted me to like react. They want you to react and like break their camera yeah. and attack one of them because that's huge payout for them. And it's payout for the photographs. Like everyone wins when a celebrity snaps. And so what was fascinating was being being a member of the public and and as we all like we all were is is seeing just the photographs back in 2008 of her meltdown and then now in the documentary that you know came out a, a couple of months ago uh, that kind of zoomed out and showed us the paparazzi onslaught like we never used to get to see how many paparazzi were around her when those photographs are being taken do you know what? Do you know what oh, I'm trying to say? I don't oh, know if that 100%, makes sense. Is that 100%. we're just seeing the picture? We're not seeing the context of the picture. To yes. have seen mm. that documentary and see that there are literally sixty men screaming and flashing cameras at her as she's holding her newborn baby, where she's run into a cafe to hide from them and is sitting there with her head down, just not able to move, not able to speak or breathe, just hoping that they will find some humanity within them and. Uh, within themselves and just leave her alone and recognize that this looks like a wilding. I mean, it looks like a, like a, 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 like hyenas attacking a deer. We talked to some paparazzi and doing research for toxic and, and I'm sorry, this is kind of disturbing language, but we found out from a paparazzi that the term they use for when there's one person in the middle of a group of people like that is a gangbang. Oh my God. That's what they call it. Yeah. no it's oh my god and by the way like that is it doesn't there's a part of your brain you know when you're in that situation that hasn't updated to know that you are probably not going to be attacked I remember being like swarmed by maybe it was like 12 paparazzi it's late at night I'm walking outside of a hotel and they brought me to my floor I felt this cold lens between my thighs as they were trying to get a picture up my skirt. And so I was only 23 at the time. And I remember curling into a ball and oddly the lead singer of a band called Texas, Charlene Spiteri saw that happen to me. And she came in and like beat all the paparazzi off me and grabbed me and ran off and put me in her car and drove me home. She's a total legend, but you don't know in that situation that you're not about to be sexually assaulted. Because it's 10 Uh, men that you don't know. They're much bigger than you, much stronger than you. They're all screaming. You can't hear anything. You can't see anything because of the flashes and you're being brought to the ground and their hands are on you. I've had them climb into the car that I'm in where they open all four doors and climb into the car and uh, like photographing and flashing in my eyes. And so I was so not famous compared to Britney. 
that I cannot imagine that happening. The fact that I remember these incidences, I bet she can't even remember how many, how many of this, this happened to her so many times. I bet she wouldn't even be able to isolate a particular incident. Can you imagine going through that? It was every day. All for day, 15 every years. Day. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know, just hearing you describe that. I mean, I, I feel uncomfortable if a man gets too close to me on a train, one yeah. man. You know, so just I'm trying to imagine the anxiety of that times 50. And then times that by a thousand when you're holding your baby. Right. Mm-hmm. And your baby's like clearly upset or afraid and you feel responsible for them because they didn't ask for this life and neither fucking did you. I mean, she was a baby when she started in this industry. Mm-hmm. She didn't know what she was signing up for. I also feel like we hadn't really seen that level of, of global obsession for someone that young before Britney. No, you're right. She, she's such a unique case. I mean, obviously there've been so many, you know, celebrities. Yeah, since then as well. Uh, yeah. From paparazzi and things like that. But she, in many ways, I, we think of her like it was, she was the sacrificial lamb. I don't know what it was, but Brittany had to take the heat completely. You know, the constant questions about her virginity, all the paparazzi. And yeah, when you look at it with this perspective and you zoom out, like you said, and you see all the men you of course understand why she did the things she did, why she got upset and hit someone's car with an umbrella, why she shaved her head. I mean, all those it photos, all makes so yeah, much sense. All those photos yeah. make so much more sense when you could see the scenario she was in. That would, I mean, I'm amazed she didn't kill someone, honestly. Mm-hmm. You would just want She's to- never hurt anyone. That's what's, she has never, there, <laughs> she has been, had her, all of her rights taken away and she has never hurt anyone. That is what is so wild. I mean, how many, you know- male celebrities have gotten away with physically hurting people and they've not had their rights taken away. It's just, it's truly disgusting. It's so true. You say that there are so many men who've actually been arrested for harming women or men who have harmed themselves. Like people who have like lived lives where they, they look, they seem, they are almost completely incapacitated and given their, given, like just given their freedom. There have been so many, I mean, there are, because of the Free Britney movement, there's been so much kind of scrutiny of every single photograph of her that's taken, every paparazzi shot and people realising she's been wearing the same sneakers for like the same pair of sneakers for the last three years or same old clothes or has like hair extensions that have clearly grown out. Like she hasn't been allowed to go to a hair salon or to get her nails done when her sister and her mother have. And they're lying to her saying that, oh, everything is closed during the pandemic, but their hair and nails have clearly been done. It's just so devastating. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now listen, we all carry around different stresses, big, small, medium size, and a lot of us keep them bottled up because sometimes we just have to. But doing that all of the time can really, really start to negatively impact your life. And I say that from experience. I'm British. We are told to never say how we're feeling about anything ever. And uh, that's why so many of us are so sad. Now, a way that I was able to remedy that was by having therapy, which was super helpful for me, not only because it's amazing to get things off your chest, but also all week, you know, as you're bottling things up, because it's not always the time or place to say exactly how you feel, you know, you're going to get that hour where you're able to get everything off your chest and say it exactly as you want to. And this therapist isn't going to take it personally. And they're not going to hold it against you or throw it back in your face during an argument over dinner next week. You just have this complete freedom. Honestly, I think everyone should have therapy, regardless of whether they think they need it, because it's so amazing to have a confidant. It's a journal 
that talks back to you and helps you with all of your problems. I think therapy is just a safe space to get everything off your chest to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, then maybe you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be super convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and then you can switch therapists if you don't like them anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash iWay today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iWay. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well... Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. At any point during your pursuit for the truth, have you felt afraid for yourselves? Because, you know, you're playing with some pretty heavy hitters here. Like you're coming up against some massive forces who've managed to pull off truly like the the crime of the century. Yeah, you know, sort of unsettling because after we released the Free Britney episode, like Bab said, we didn't really, we of course like, you know, talked to people about how to release the episode safely and things like that, but we really felt that Britney was in danger, I think was the predominant emotion that we felt. So it was like, we've got to get this out. I guess she's in this really urgent situation. But then sort of after the fact, I think the reality set in of like, oh shit, we just poked a really big bear. Mm-hmm. And for weeks, you know, I'd go to shows in LA and I'd like be looking over my shoulder and I'd be wondering if someone was following me to my car and had this sort of like eerie sensation that I was being watched. And another part of that New York Times documentary, the second part that just came out is her security team was surveilling us. They put together like dossiers on us and were taking photos of us. Yeah. So... <laughs> And, you know, it's, um, it's continued. It's, it's taken many forms, but, um, yes, it was, it was scary. It's been scary. It's, you know, I don't think we had any, I, we could never have anticipated what we were stepping into when we decided to release that voicemail. I mean, we did it and we're so glad that, I mean, we're looking at the end of the actual conservatorship, which is so wild. I never thought I would say that, but yeah, personally, we did not have any clue what we were getting ourselves into for sure. Uh, when uh, One of the things I was wondering about when I was prepping for this interview was when she kind of came out and made, you know, not just one, but a few public statements that kind of insinuated, especially after the documentary came out, but insinuated that she's not in any kind of situation that doesn't represent the truth of her situation. She kind of almost, I don't mean this, uh, I, I don't think she was gaslighting anyone, but she sort of did, made a denial, I guess, of what everyone's theories were about her lives. How did you feel when that came out? Did you worry that maybe you had made a mistake and you were wrong? Was that a question you asked yourselves? You know, when you got the woman herself, allegedly, 
speaking out on her Instagram. Right. All in her captions on her yeah. Instagram. So you're like, is it her? I but I mean, yeah, we, I, I think there was a lot of, it's been a roller coaster, of course, you know, there's definitely been moments where we want, we wanted to, had to check in and be like, we want to be doing the right thing. We want, we need to, but you know, we talk about this on toxic every time we would hit a wall and say like, man, maybe we shouldn't do this anymore. Or is that her? Is that how she feels? Someone who is close to her, people who didn't necessarily want to come on mic or come to the forefront would tell us, trust us, keep going. You have to keep going. So we had to just take it and realize that I do think she would talk about how she didn't like to rewatch those triggering Mm -hmm. moments, which of course she wouldn't want to. So if that was her, I don't blame her for that at all. You know, who does want to relive those moments? So I very much think that she could have been saying that, but we were getting inside information that told us like, trust us, you're on the right track. You got to keep going. So we just kept going. Oh my goodness. I'm really glad that you did because I mean, now to hear her kind of acknowledge the fans and the movement and something that you know, you guys have been the biggest part of starting at least and spearheading with the support of millions and millions of Britney fans around the world. Um, I just really think it's incredible what you've done. And I can't imagine how creepy it must be to poke that bear, especially knowing how inhumane they are. Like the treatment of her has been so vile and dehumanizing and really, I mean, truly the actions of, of, people with no empathy or integrity and so to know people who are capable of doing that to truly one of the most powerful people in the world she was at the time I can imagine how scary that must have been for you too yeah and I mean I think that's another part of why so many people didn't believe it was real for so long is because it's too awful uh one of the things that this case has done that the exposure of this case has done for the positive aside from actually potentially freeing Britney is that it has shone a light on conservatorships. A lot of a lot of people don't know what they are and how they work. And I was wondering if you could explain to me a little bit more about how conservatorships work and and what we, the public, need to do to reform conservatorships. Yeah. So the basic gist of the way a conservatorship works is that you are just the court decides that you are incapacitated. And the standard for that in California, at least, is that you cannot provide uh, shelter or food or basic needs for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when this happens, when the court decides that, essentially you cease to be a legal adult. So every right that you have as a legal adult gets transferred to another person and they effectively become you. And so that means they have access to all of your assets. They want to sell your house, they can sell your house. If they want to tell, I mean, there are cases where a married couple, one person is conserved and the conservator has disallowed the spouse from being able to see their spouse. They have that much control over your life and all your personal decisions. Yeah. So in California, there are three different types there. um, There's one called a limited conservatorship, which is sort of a misnomer because it's just as restrictive as the other ones. But that one is one that's implemented a lot of times for people that have developmental disabilities, um, you know, things like autism or Down syndrome or things like that. Those usually are put in place when a child turns 18. There's like BABSED and LPS conservatorship, which is a mental health conservatorship that's renewed every year. But those can also, these can all be problematic because they all happen in a court where there's not enough checks and balances. Yeah. And then there's a probate conservatorship, which is intended for people who have things like dementia and things like that and can no longer take care of themselves. Now, the real 
issue that a lot of people have with conservatorships is that they just blanket take away all of your rights. They don't look case by case and say, okay, this is someone who probably has the ability to consent in terms of who they want to come over to their house or where they want to go to dinner, but maybe they do need someone to help with their finances. Or, okay, maybe they have their money in check, but like maybe they do need someone to help help them remember to take their medication. Instead of having it be like individually tailored to an individual's need, they just blanket take away all of your rights. And this essentially creates a catch-22, Because once you've been determined to be incapacitated, part of that capacity includes things like the ability to hire a lawyer. You're not an adult, so you can't hire a lawyer to get you out of this situation. And that is why it becomes this real sort of black hole that people really, really have a very hard time getting out of. And how do you know roughly how many people in the United States or even in just California are in conservatorships? Are these quite common? Are they very, very rare? They, it's very, very hard to get the data on it, which is unfortunate. I mean, that's one of the biggest problems, actually, that we've looked into is that, you know, there's no comprehensive place where all this data is getting put. So they estimate that there's more than one million people in them in the U.S. And people say that that's rising as, you know, the baby boomers get older and become more vulnerable and things like that. So there's no hard numbers, but, you know, they have a form of conservatorship or guardianship in every state. And it does seem like they're getting worse. Um, The problem also is that this creates an opportunity for people to step in and take financial, you know, advantage of someone because it become it's a job. You can have a job as a professional conservator, which means that you can step into someone's life who you don't know and take over all their finances, et cetera. So there have been a lot of people who have gotten, you know, taken advantage of in this way. And then they try to complain about the conservator to this bureau and, you know, over they get hundreds and hundreds of complaints and they have never ever looked into one of they've never turned over any of these conservatorships once after hundreds of complaints how is that so how is that possible i think it's there's no resources you know there's there's so many cases there's so many people it seems like there's very little oversight or people who've been paying attention to this, God, basically. It's just ableism, isn't it? It's just steeped yes. in ableism. It's just like, well, they sound like they're a bit of a burden on society. So let's just throw them all. Let's just throw them away. Throw away their rights. They a thousand percent. Themselves. Like it's a complete inability to look at disability with anything other than like a blanket discrimination. It's just unfucking believable and in the last year i've seen more people come out and speak out about abusive conservatorships than i've ever seen before people who probably felt too afraid to even speak about it who thought they'd never be believed because it's so easy in such an ableist society to gaslight a, a person who is vulnerable in any way we're yeah, so you- prone it's chilling when you think about this happening to someone like Brittany because it's like my god think of someone who who doesn't have even you know, a fraction of the resources that she has. Exactly. Think how voiceless that person is. And, you know, another huge problem with this situation is because, again, you're unable to choose your own attorney. California, we should mention, just changed the law because of the Free Britney movement. So they actually passed a new bill. The governor signed into law that conservatives do have the right now to choose their own lawyer. That's fucking amazing. How did that feel when that got written into law? That was really cool. That was really gratifying. But, But when you can't choose your own attorney... You're really fucked because that's the person that should be taking your grievances to the court and advocating for you. When they're choosing a fucking attorney. Yeah, exactly. They're choosing an attorney for her who's who 
None of her attorneys ever told her that she had the right to submit an appeal. That blows my mind. And she was stopped probably from having having even the access to the internet. Yes. No, I mean, she had one guy who met her for 15 minutes and then helped tell the judge that she didn't have the capacity to hire any other lawyer. And he's the guy who made money off of her for 13 years he made up to $10,000 a week. So he had no financial incentive to say, hey, hire someone else. You know, why would he say that? Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So where do we go now with conservatorships? Because clearly, I mean, it's so great. That's such an amazing first step that people are allowed to finally hire their own lawyer. But what else do we need to work on pushing for reform? Because this is something that I now feel extremely passionate about. I think so do a lot of people because we didn't know that so many people were being essentially held hostage, held prisoner. And I mean, you've got someone like Brittany who is kind of, I mean, from the way that she describes it, she's being forced into a kind of slavery where she's not given the money and from the work that she has done, she's on this incredibly low salary and yet she's working and pulling in all these millions and everyone's profiting off of her and even when she doesn't want to work when she says she doesn't want to work she doesn't feel well she doesn't feel right and they're forcing her to go to work and blackmailing her if she doesn't do all of the work that I mean she sounded it sounded like she was exhausted and like unable to spend enough time with her kids etc they're forcing her to work that qualifies to me as slavery it's kind of the definition of it right I mean yeah yeah so exploited yeah. so that could be happening to people all over the world right now I mean can we put an I don't know I understand conservatorships for people who have dementia who are in their 90s who are vulnerable who might not be safe to leave the house etc or people who may be put there because they're vulnerable are potentially likely to encounter people who want to take advantage of them. I can understand being a family member who wants to try to protect their other family member, but fucking hell, we have to like, we have to create a more nuanced system of who can be in this conservatorship, correct? What other things do we need to reform? That's the idea. So what the ACLU advocates for and what a lot of disability rights advocate for is something called supported decision-making. And that means that if a disabled person, like we said, has something that they do need help with, they designate a person who helps them make medical decisions, financial decisions, things like that. But that person isn't, it doesn't go through the probate court system. So that person doesn't actually have any legal binding. They've just been appointed to help them out with stuff like that. And it gives the disabled person a lot more autonomy over their own life. So I think and this is a really, person who's prof- a professional or can this be a member of their family? It's generally a member of their family or a friend or someone like that. And, and the person chooses them. So it's, you know, they work with their doctor and with whoever's in their life and they all come up with whoever that team is. And what if, and I'm not like, please don't take this as me just being um, on the side of conservatorships. I'm not. But what if you have someone who is not capacitated enough to make the right decision of who that, or who doesn't want to take the advice of the person who's maybe advising them not to do a, a dangerous or cumbersome thing? Like in those scenarios, what do we, what do we do? What do we suggest? I mean, yeah, there are situations where I think you do. I mean, for example, if someone's in a coma, you have to have a power of attorney because somebody has to be there to make those medical calls, right? So there are really severe situations where you do need to have legal systems in place, but it should be used like as extremely sparingly as like an extreme last resort. And so I think, yeah, it just needs to be this shift in terms of like, that shouldn't be the go-to. Mm-hmm. It should be like you've exhausted it. What the ACLU recommends is that you show that you've exhausted all of the other alternatives before you go into a conservatorship. 
yeah, never mind be able to sign up for a conservatorship and not even put in the correct full paperwork. <laughs> right. Not have the actual paper that gets you into conservatorship. Yeah. Are all the, are all the judges going to be investigated? Like, is everyone, what is this going to lead to? Do you think that's why so many people have resisted up until now because of the amount of powerful people who are going to go down? If, I do think if that, this yeah. is successful. Yeah, I think a lot of people have been really yes. complicit in this situation. And I think a lot of people have blood on their hands. It wasn't just Jamie Spears. A lot of people looked the other way and knew what was going on and protected each other. Because that was another thing that was so upsetting about Britney's testimony in June of this year is it wasn't the first time she said those things to a judge. Nothing. I mean, it wasn't that she was saying those two years before, right? Yeah. She said a lot of these things and she'd just been sort of disregarded. Yeah. So I think that speaks to just the importance of public pressure. Which so few people are able to gather because they're not the most famous woman of their generation. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so from like a legal standpoint, I think the one really great thing people can do is this is kind of a state issue. The federal government doesn't really handle conservatorships in this country. So like Mm -hmm. contact your state legislator and talk to them about conservatorship reform. There's a lot of model legislation that would model what happened in California where conservatives would have the right to choose their own attorney. Um, Things like they want to build into the law that a conservatee always has the right to choose who visits them. Also, the surveillance shit sounds so illegal. Yeah, it is. You shouldn't be allowed to record someone without their knowledge. You shouldn't be able to monitor their phone. No. I mean, it's illegal in California to record someone without their consent, period. So was that illegal, what they did? It's an interesting question. I've seen people say that it is. And, you know, Brittany's new attorney, Matthew Rosengar, has said that he will be deposing people. Brittany has said that she wants to see consequences for what happened to her. So I really wouldn't be surprised once she's emancipated if the next thing we see is is repercussions for all these people. Man, I was so worried that something bad was going to happen to her because she was speaking out about this and because there was so much to lose for everyone. I'm so happy to see that she's still safe. And actually, when we do see her on Instagram, she seems like happy, increasingly happy <laughs> and free and loving all the different filters each yes. picture in seven different, <laughs> seven different filters. It's so fucking, it feels like- That's a classic. It's such a classic. That's an Instagram It classic. also kind of like feels like, and I don't mean this in any kind of patronizing way, but it feels like such an arrested development of, she's had a whole childhood taken away from her, her whole teen years, her twenties and almost all of her thirties. And so it feels like she's at where we were at with social media 10 years ago. Like she's just finally, it's like- cast away or something she's been trapped on this desert island and now she's rejoining society (laughs) finally with autonomy and just kind of figuring everything out as she goes along you know I was looking back at my like old Facebook account from 2008 and I would do the multiple different filters of each photo just because I wanted everyone to see what it would look like in each different filter in black and white um (laughs) it's extremely endearing I I hope she never comes back to work. And I know that's probably a sad thing for Britney fans to hear, but I feel like that's the general consensus from all of us. Like she's given us enough. Oh, a thousand percent. It's a, I mean, it's totally up to her. Obviously, we're not going to say no if she ever yeah. wants to do her own lemonade or something about no, what she's yeah. been through. But it is like... That would be the album of the you. fucking century. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can all dream about that. But that is, yeah, it's like, just do whatever you want to do for the first time in, you know, over a decade. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. 
Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. fans mobilize i talk a lot about this on this podcast like what our job is with media you know it's supply and demand how do we the fans stop the media from hounding her is part of that just not engaging if we see any pictures of her not quote retweeting them not circulating them even though it's like oh she's safe she's on holiday she's happy she looks great do not engage with any photographs you see of her because the more you do the more you give the algorithmic privilege and like attention energy to the publication or to the paparazzi you are incentivizing them even if you're complaining about the photograph by reposting it by sharing it you are circulating it and kind of in your own accidental way endorsing those photographs being taken because it doesn't matter whether the attention is positive or negative for the media all they care about is uh traffic Exactly. And yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the most meaningful things that we can do. And I mean, that's something that Babs and I are very uh, militant about. We don't share paparazzi photos on any of our social media or anything like that. Don't click on it. Don't because I I think that that's the thing we need to do is is cut off that demand. Mm -hmm. And it's tempting. Of course, we all want to see. Of course, we all have this curious side of us that like our monkey brain wants to click on those photos. But I think the more we can train ourselves to not engage with that content, hopefully the less incentive there will be to make that content. And what else can we do to protect her now? Is there is there law that we is there law that we pursue? You know, do do I start a petition for uh, about paparazzi? Like how how can I help? How can we help? Like how can we? You know, we still need so much reform in paparazzi law, like the access they have to people, the fact that they use drones to shoot into people's houses and in through their windows and catch them in their own homes. And the the waiting on their private property and the harassment and jumping in front of their cars, all this shit is still happening. Mm-hmm. They're still even leaking pictures of people's kids when those people have specifically asked for their children's photographs to not be shown publicly. Yeah, I mean, I think just like it's illegal to record someone's voice without consent, it should be illegal to take a photograph of someone without their consent. I agree. I mean, that's a, you know, obviously there'd be a lot to get done, but I think that's... Yeah, if we can make that happen somehow. I do think, you know, hey, if you're out and about, you see Britney Spears walking down the street, don't take a picture of her. Don't try to get a selfie with her. I think hopefully we can try to let her live as normie of a life as she possibly maybe can. It's going to be not, you know, truly possible. But if the public can at least try to not engage in that, if they see her around, that would be helpful. Um, But, you know, on the other end of it, you know, there is other people who can be helped from this situation as far as, conservatorships, you know, your own family members, I would just, you know, try to make sure that you are getting trusts set up for their money. And that's supposed to be something to prevent someone from getting into a conservatorship. Brittany had a trust. 
So she should not have gotten into a conservatorship. Wait, what do you mean? I don't, I don't know what you mean. Sorry, okay. I don't know anything about trusts. No, okay. I know we learned way too much about probate law in the story. <laughs> no, <laughs> I love it. I, I think I heard you describe yourself as like legally blonde. Yes. You know, <laughs> the way you've acquired all of this information. I think it's fucking brilliant. And I don't know anything about this stuff. And so I'm so grateful to learn about it from you. You've, you've opened my eyes so much just even in the last hour. Um, so talk to me about trusts. So Maybe I need to get one of I, these. You <laughs> do, probably. <laughs> Actually, okay. seriously, though. Yeah. Um, so basically, it's an estate planning tool and you put, you know, your assets into that and you designate someone. Hey, if if I die or if I become very ill, this is the person that I want to control this trust. You mm-hmm. designate. Mine would be been, Keanu Reeves. I've never met him, but I just trust him. I trust him. him. I agree. Oh, I mean, right? that was that that smile. We're all choosing, <laughs> we're all choosing Keanu. Yes. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, Sorry to my boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Britney's would probably be Brad Pitt. That's her longtime crush. But um, oh, sure. <laughs> but uh, so you dead and so that is supposed to prevent you from ending up in probate court because you've already got a system in place. Your money shouldn't really be in jeopardy if something happens to you mentally because you've already said, "Hey, this is the person that I want to be in control of my estate." Now Britney had that set up. And they completely disregarded that and conserved her anyway. So that's who yet had another- she chosen? Who had she chosen? We don't Do we know, know because that's sealed, oh. but mm-hmm. this is kind of something fishy that happened. Her younger sister came on board. So another kind of crazy thing about that trust is there's much more secrecy available in a trust. So it looks like they kept the bulk of Britney's asset in that trust. And then the conservatorship and whoever else, they kind of did whatever they needed to do in that trust. So the court really didn't see what was going on with like the bulk of her money. <sighs> Yeah. And her sister did what? Her sister came on board as trustee of that trust in 2018. Oh, I feel like we're just going to learn more and more about her fucking sister. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Her rage, like Britney's rage towards her sister that keeps spilling out on Instagram. It just feels like so much is coming. I mean, how, regarding just to get back to Britney for a second, as I have you both here, um, how where are we at now? Like, how far are we from freeing Britney? Her her attorney said, you know, in the last hearing, he, he, once they got basically, you know, Jamie was out, they said, we want to set the date for November 12th for an independent hearing that is just about terminating the conservatorship. And so I do not think her attorney would have said that so fervently if he didn't know he could make it happen because he knows the fans are, you know, ready for it. So he, yeah, and there's no one there now to oppose it anymore. Jamie's huge team of lawyers is not there anymore to oppose it. So it really does seem like she could actually be out on November 12th. So basically what happened was there was a hearing, when was that, Babs? End of September. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was sort of a weird thing that was happening legally, but basically Jamie's team was saying, Hey, let's end this today. Brittany wants out. They did this total about face because if the judge had ended the conservatorship on that date in the end of September, then they wouldn't have to turn over the books and all the financial information and all the transactions between themselves and the other lawyers. It would just be Why? like case closed because the conservatorship would be done. But but what G, but Brittany's lawyer did is say, hey, I don't want to I don't want to terminate it today. Let's terminate it two months from now. In the interim, I want to appoint this financial conservator because that guy is now going to be able to go in, do all the forensics, get all the books, get all the accounting. Now that they have that information, they can end the conservatorship, and then Brittany can pursue whatever legal action she needs to pursue against these people. Holy shit! And then talk to me about how. There is this woman whose privacy has been invaded since she was like 10, really, but really like properly since she was 16. We are all 
learning so much about the privatest moments of her life. I believe that that is what feeds the public furor that is pushing the judges to have to finally make the right decision and take her seriously. So I think that there is a benefit for it. But is there any like gray area of ick about the fact that the whole world is learning about so much of the most vulnerable parts of her life? I unfortunately, yeah. I mean, it does feel like you don't want her to have to tell the world about the horrible things she's been through just for anyone to care about it. Mm. I wish that that wasn't how it happened, Mm -hmm. you know, but it was. And uh, yeah, it's like, I hope our appetite for Brittany and what's going on in her life goes away as a public, but I don't see that happening, unfortunately. Hopefully. No, and I do want justice to be served. And I think she wants justice to be served. And the fact that she's using her Instagram publicly shows us that she does want everyone to know what happened yes, and what was done. And I do. So that makes mm-hmm. me feel less icky about it. I just hearing her have to talk about her contraception, hearing oh. her have to talk about all these things, like in a pleading case, it was also so interesting to hear her voice, how different her voice sounded, you know, on her Instagram, she speaks so differently or in any kind of like promo, even on American Idol, she would speak so differently. And yet there was like a, a depth and a gravity to her voice. And she sounded so uh emotionally sober as well as literally sober you know she was speaking a little bit fast but outside of that she's incredibly articulate incredibly passionate she sounded grown you know there was like a little girl voice and act to her that was she was probably told to do or encouraged to do to kind of be like i'm just harmly harmless like britney next door and i felt like i heard the woman in britney for the first time in a long time. It reminded me actually kind of of like 2006, 2007, Brittany, who was very just irreverent and, and unapologetic and unapologetic. Yeah. Exactly. I was like, oh my God, she's still there. Like it was, it brought tears to my eyes hearing it. Yeah. I felt, um, I felt very, very like reassured and very emotional when I heard, when I heard that side of her again, because it it made me feel like they haven't taken everything away from her. They've taken away her freedom. They've taken away so many of her rights, so much of her time. Uh, her kids have been taken away from her more than she wanted them to be. But she's still somehow in there. What a fucking icon, man. One thing I would love to ask you just before you go, will you tell me any advice you have for anyone out there who feels inexperienced, who wants to advocate for someone? Mm. Yes, just always think of what can you do? There's always something you can do, whether it's emailing someone or tweeting something, or maybe you can create calling someone. There's always something you can do. So instead of getting overwhelmed by the million things that need to be done, just break it down to actionable items and just do it. Yeah. And there's, there's safety and power in numbers. It was a lot of people who took what you started and carried it all the way through. So finding as much help for the things that you can't do on your own. Yes. Finding that community. That's what I will say is like this, like I said, we, you know, are part of this, but this is the effort of, you know, thousands of millions of people putting putting their themselves behind Britney Spears, supporting her, digging around for the facts. You know, this is a group effort. So I don't think we'd be here without 
all this, you know, amazing support. What, what are you going to do when she gets freed, guys? Like, what's going to happen? Like, how are you going to celebrate? Have you planned We're having it? a dance party. Yeah. <laughs> we're throwing a dance party. You're invited. Wait, is it for like, every, can I come? Yes. Is it the whole, Please. is it going to be the whole free Britney movement? Like, is yes. it a, we're oh putting, my. we're doing pink flowers everywhere. Up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she her rally is November, you know, November twelfth. So yeah, we're gonna have a, a dance party afterwards and and celebrate. Oh my god! Well, maybe I'll see you there. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on this podcast today. Thank you for all of the work you've done. Thank you for being amazing examples of the fact that you don't have to be an expert in something to just jump in and help and to be scrappy and to learn on the job and to be willing to make mistakes or poke the fucking hornet's nest and and take such a big risk for someone who you don't know, who you don't know if you'll ever even meet, who will ever really acknowledge you personally. You did it from a place of just love for a a woman who was being taken advantage of. But you're, you're amazing people. This is, this shit is scary and time consuming (laughs) and so many eyeballs on you, so much pressure, so much feeling of responsibility and the fact that it was two comedians who did it rather than two like, you know, I don't know, Harvard lawyers or whatever uh, (laughs) makes this so much more magical, so much more relatable. And I hope empowers everyone listening to this now and everyone who listens to all of your work to realize that, that any one of us, you know, I've got no schooling. I'm not trained as an actor, any of these things, ordinary people, quote unquote, are capable of extraordinary things. And you are both so extraordinary. You're great fucking feminists. I'm honestly so honoured to get to meet you and have you on my podcast. Thanks for teaching me about conservatorships. Thanks for teaching the world about caring for one another and fighting for the truth. And uh, yeah, you're fucking great. And I really hope you get to meet her. I hope you get to Sorry, I know I got a bit emo on you, but uh, it is just, I'm so, I'm so moved by your work and by what is to come. I can't believe how fast everything's unraveling. I really hope you get to meet her uh, if she wants that. And I'm sure she would. I'm sure she'd be fucking fascinated to sit down with both of you and, uh, and, We'll go spin. We'll go hang out and spin in the living room together. I'm down. I'll oh bring the God. Starbucks. We could be the backup. Oh, that would be the best. Yeah. That would be. I think that video would break the fucking internet. <laughs> oh my both God! It you, would. Both of you in her gym, spinning behind her, all in the crop top and the low riding hot would... pants. It would be fucking iconic. We'd probably have to redo her her first Instagram post that we talked about with the Mozart painting. We, we'd have to do because it kind of turns around and reveals a painting. So it'd have to be us on the other side, and she's painting us. That's that her. Would be, there we go. That would be great. Um, may you, yeah. May May you continue to prosper in your journeys. Thank you so much for coming. Um, I'm in awe. I'm really fucking in awe. Thank you so much. This was so wonderful. One last thing. Can you each tell me what do you weigh starting with Tess? Let's see. I weigh all of the projects that I make and my husband and my too many piles of books. Lovely. And Babs? (laughs) I weigh my boyfriend and my course, yeah, family and friends and doing really silly, ridiculous comedy that just makes me very happy. Well, I think you're both going to have amazing futures and careers. You deserve all of the good juju in all of the world. Uh, I hope we get to see each other soon in the best possible circumstances. Same. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks for coming. (laughs) 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I Weigh with Jamila Jamil is produced and researched by myself, Jamila Jamil, Aaron Finnegan, and Kimmy Gregory. It is edited by Andrew Carson, and the beautiful music you are hearing now is made by my boyfriend, James Blake. If you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It's a great way to show your support. We also have a bonus series exclusively on Stitcher Premium called Ask Jamila Anything. Check it out. You can get a free month of Stitcher Premium by going to stitcher.com forward slash premium and using the promo code iWay. Lastly, over at iWay, we would love to hear from you and share what you weigh at the end of this podcast. You can leave us a voicemail at 1-818-660-5543 or email us what you weigh at iWayPodcast at gmail.com. And now... We would love to pass the mic to one of our fabulous listeners. I weigh the amount of love and care I have for the people around me. I weigh my passion for wanting to help people with their mental health and their body image. Thanks so much. Love you guys. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.